0: morning everyone it's good to see everyone here today it's good to be back and we're gonna jump right in into a continuation of this series that I've been uh, working on uh, called basic Uh, just basically going over the core fundamentals of the Christian faith Um, sometimes as I've said before sometimes it's easy to forget that I might be speaking in Christianese or referring to things that even I need to be reminded of, and uh, so that's what this series is about: is to kind of lay some basic core foundations for all of us to to learn about, to reflect on, and then to thank God for because it's all good news. Uh, the title of this message today is "The Lord Speaks." Excuse me. The title of the message today is "What Do Christians Believe?" or "What Is a Christian?" And see, that, that can be a very open-ended question. You might get all kinds of different answers. But I guess for the sake of this particular uh, sermon today is, is what, how would we respond if someone just out of the blue, a stranger came up to you and said, what do Christians believe? Or how are Christians different? Or what makes a Christian a Christian and not some other faith? Um, and again, there's a lot of different ways to answer that, but I'm going to try to get to the bare basics today as I can. When, let's see, today, as this may have been mentioned earlier, uh, today, November 10th, 1775, the United States Marine Corps was born. And one of the things that the Marine Corps uh, definitely uh, does is they like to instill certain characteristics, principles, beliefs in the Marine. And whether the Marine realizes it or not, it's happening all the time. Whether it's the things that they're doing, the things that they like to be doing, the things that they don't like to be doing, the things that they're taught, it's just a, it's, they're effective at what they do. Um, every night during boot camp, uh, they would tell us to sing. We have to go stand and we'd have to stand in between our racks or our beds, and we would have to sing. and then we would sing the Marine Corps hymn, all three verses. And when we sung, we were told not to harmonize. Don't be the recruit that's trying to, you know, you know, put on a performance at boot camp because you will be singled out. So again, we, right? So we were to yell. We were to bellow. We weren't to harmonize. We were just to straight shoot it out, you know. Um, and this, and so that played into my favor because I didn't need to try to harmonize or keep up. I could just bellow. Um, and we memorized all three verses. Uh, and then the next, we were taught to pray. Now, the prayer that they told us to pray is very different from what we would think of as a prayer. Um, a word of caution for the faint of heart. Um, some of the wording in the Rifleman's Creed, uh, the prayer that Marines would recite, is, is violent in nature and thankfully so because please consider the vocation of the United States Marine. It is not to play patty cake. It is to make war and to be the best at it. And so, uh, as I'm going to try to recite this creed from memory, um, it plays into the rest of my message, so bear with me. Let's see. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My rifle is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it as I must master my life. Without me, my rifle is useless. Without my rifle, I am useless. I must fire my rifle true. I must shoot straighter than my enemy who is trying to kill me. I must shoot him before he shoots me. I will. My rifle and I know that what counts in this war is not the rounds that we fire, the smoke that we make, The sound of our burst nor the smoke we make, we know it is the hit that counts. We will hit. My rifle is human, even as I, because it is my life. Thus, I will learn it as a brother. I will learn its weaknesses, its strengths, its parts, its accessories, its sights, and its barrel. I will make my rifle clean and ready, even as I am clean and ready. We will become a part of each other. We will. Before God, I swear this creed. My rifle and I are the defenders of my country. We are the masters of my enemy. We are the saviors of my life. So be it till victory is America's. And there is no enemy but peace. And they made us yell this every night. Repetition reinforces and confirms. And that was... Whether you didn't realize it or not, this is being pumped into you as a Marine. This is your mindset. This is your job. No matter what your job was, you couldn't say, oh, I'm just in supply. You can't tell me to go stand post. You can't tell me to go man the wall. You can't tell me to go fight. Because every Marine would go, uh ah, uh, ah. Uh. Every Marine is a rifleman. Every single one. No matter your job, As a Marine, there were certain things that were expected of you. And the bare basic thing that was expected of you was to fight like a Marine would. And so that's just from day one, that's what they would put into you. The words in the Rifleman's Creed are not what makes a Marine a Marine, but they are a good reminder of what is rooted in every Marine. The Marine is a rifleman. As I said, no matter the conflict... The expectation of every Marine is to be a fighter, a warrior, to hold the line, to stand post, man the wall, and to return fire. I'm that guy that watched the movie A Few Good Men, and as Colonel Nathan Jessup is giving his little spiel to Tom Cruise, I'm actually sitting there going, ah, ah, ah. "I kind of, I kind of agree with uh, parts of what Colonel Jessup was saying. If you don't know what I'm talking about, or you haven't seen the movie, my apologies. Um, uh, if a... Again, if a stranger was to come and ask you, oh, excuse me, how do I know the, the expectations of every Marine even though I am not able to cite specific orders from the Marine Corps handbook? The Rifleman's Creed tells me. After seeing all of that, to lead into this, if a stranger was to come and ask you, what does a Christian believe, what would you say? Again, that is a very open-ended question. It's real easy to go and make all these other lists of things, and when it's really just real simple, it goes to the bare basic thought of the Christian faith. If there is a go-to answer like the Raffleman's Creed that most, if not all, Christians from every denomination could agree upon, is there such a creed that's like that? Is there a response or creed that could also assist in the goal of this series of covering the basics of Christianity. I believe there is. I'm a history nut. For those of y'all who don't know me, I love history. I love to go back and read you know, what happened, how it happened, where, 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 did, where did all this start. The Christian faith, you know, to go to scripture and to have those questions. Okay, okay, after the New Testament, what happened? What was going on? And see, for a lot of people back then, uh, shortly after you know, the New Testament church is starting, all this stuff is going on. Churches are forming up. Not everyone can read or have their hands on a copy of this. For the longest time, to have a copy of Scripture or the scrolls, that was the scribes, that was the leaders, or you know, it just it wasn't on everyone's coffee table. Might not be now, but in the past, you know, you know, the Bible seems so commonplace to us now, but to have your hands on Scripture and be able to read it, you were very rich because you were able to go to school to have the education and to have said scripture. So one of the ways that they were able to teach the faith, to help give something or put into kids as they grew up or a church people as they grew up, was certain creeds or certain things that they would recite and they would remember from memory. I mean, it's not in the Bible, but I can say, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. And I can't remember when I remembered I memorized that. As far as I know, that I've always known that song. That was the first song I sung in Cade's ears when he was born. That's the first thing he heard from me. And so it, 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 you can't find it in here. There's not a verse, but it's a good go-to. It's a good tool. And part of this creed that I'm going to kind of tease out a little bit, and this will follow in the next few series, it's so old that you think, I think I was reading something I was studying that scholars say it's at least at the latest third century. So that's pretty cool, too, because I'm a big history nut, like I said. And to know that you're saying something that our Forever family said all of those hundreds of years ago. Yeah, the Forever family. We'll meet the people one day, those of us who are in Christ. We'll get to talk and get to that. I'm looking forward to that, too. And so there's something very comforting to know that the same. I don't need a faith that's this. I don't need a a belief that changes every week. I don't need a religion that fixes and molds and conforms to me. I take great comfort in a faith that is grounded in history and has never changed, has always been the same. The beat continues and forward and never changes. I may change, but the word of our God lives forever. I can remember thinking, oh, excuse me, many many in America and other Christian circles do not grow up hearing this creed, or have any knowledge of the universally held creeds of the, of the Christian faith. I can remember thinking at one time when asked, do you, do you know the creed, or do you, have you heard about the creed? I would have said something like, oh no, I don't, I don't do creeds, I just do the Bible. And that was very lazy on my part, especially when it says something that could be used to help supplement. Uh, uh, it was, uh, yes, this is the Word of God. This is what I confess. This is what binds my conscience. But if the Creed is supported by Scripture, and I believe it is, and it can help, why not help spread that? I recently heard a fellow Christian say that the Creed is not popular in many Christian circles because it does not tell us to do anything. The If you're the Christian that I used to be, if I were to hear it, I would throw my hands up in frustration because I was probably expecting a, a creed that sounded more like onward Christian soldiers or what would Jesus do or give me something to do, give me something to do. And the creed is not like that at all. When Christianity revolves around the action of the Christian instead of the action of Christ for the Christian, a different creed is desired. A creed that only talks about who God is and what he has done for the Christian will feel incomplete. Old Adam in me and old Adam in us would much rather wring out the creed like a wash rag to drip out in hopes of finding any life application in it. I need to find something that I can do. What can I do? And there's This is kind of a rabbit trail, a little bit. What, you want something to do? Love your neighbor. There, love your neighbor. There. So long as you know that loving your neighbor is not scoring any brownie points with you and God. Okay, you tracking with that? Love your neighbor for the sake of your neighbor. Period. And don't worry about your relationship between you and God, because it was forever fixed by God and from God Between him and himself on the cross. He made certain promises to us for his sake. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Infinitely more than how we see each other or how our relationships are with each other. I love my boys. Why do I love my boys? Well, they're mine. Did Cater Knox do anything in them to make me love them? No, they're, they're, they're mine. And that's just a very imperfect example between an a earthly father and his earthly children. How much more? How much more than the Creator? God Almighty, who says that he loves you. And his reasons are simply because. You're his. That changes everything. While we didn't want God, while we were sinners, while we weren't looking for him, while we weren't wanting to follow him, while we weren't wanting to climb up to him, he was climbing down to get us, specifically to climb down and get on the cross for me and for you. To give old Adam a to-done list when he is only hungry for a to-do list is death to him. So be it. He needs to drown and stay drowned. May the law do its work when it accuses old Adam. He cannot do anything to be the savior of his life. His only way out is through the will of another, specifically the will of God, which is the free gift of belief in the one whom he has sent. There were several stories and passages in the New Testament where people were trying to hit Jesus up with, like there was the rich young ruler who said, tell me what I must do to be saved. What must I do? Tell me what I need to do. So Jesus heard the question and he, he told him the answer. Oh, what must you do to be saved? Oh, you know, uh, keep the law. Love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your strength. And the rich young ruler heard this and said, oh, I've kept these since my youth. Really? Really. The whole, your whole life, love God with perfect love, without ever taking your eye off of him. Serving him completely, 100% perfect, as perfect as he is. Now, rich young ruler was so confused with the law, he thought he had been keeping it. So Jesus knew he had to go a little bit further to try to, to try to speak to this man. This man needed to hear more law. And so Jesus gave it to him. He said, okay, go sell everything you own and give it to the poor, and then come follow me, and you'll have eternal life. Does that mean if you sell everything you own and give it to the poor that you'll be saved? No, Jesus knew that his command of the law to that rich young ruler was not something that he would fulfill and keep. And it says that the rich young ruler walked away sad because he had great wealth. If only, and we don't know, because scripture doesn't say this or speak on this, but only if the rich young ruler had said, I can't do that. I can't do that. Have mercy on me, Jesus. I'm a sinner. Because see, once the sinner hears the law and the law has slayed them, the law has killed them, that's when it's time to give the gospel. Give the gospel. The law tells us what we must do, and it is never done. The gospel tells us what Christ has done, and everything is already done by Christ. So in this passage, John 6:29, we read. Then they said to him, "What must we do to be doing the works of God? What, will we, what, what, what must we be doing to do the works of God?" And Jesus answered them, "This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom He has sent. The will of God, the work of God, believe in Christ." As soon as old Adam has been crushed to death by the reality of the law, the gospel found in the creed needs to be applied. Marines learned the Rifleman's Creed through repetition. This memorization via repetition confirmed the words for Marines throughout the rest of their lives as a Marine. The Rifleman's Creed told us who we were as Marines. A Marine is a rifleman. The Apostles' Creed, or the creed I was referring to, When it is memorized via repetition, it also confirms, but with a profound difference. This creed does not tell us who we are or what we must do. It tells us who God is and what he has done for us. The Apostles' Creed is not something you do. It is something you believe, just like the gospel. The gospel is not something that you do. The gospel is something that you believe. I am not the good news. I can tell people the good news, but I am not the good news. Jesus Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins is the good news. It is an announcement. It is a proclamation of something good that has happened within the same theme of the Marine Corps birthday and Veterans Day that's coming up. It's, it's. Imagine it like this. It's not a report of someone running to the field, running to a general, running to a commander in battle and saying, hey, if we do this, if we pivot this way or if we flank this way, we're going to win the battle. That's, that's not the gospel at all. The gospel is a report of someone coming to the general or coming to the people back home, coming to the town, coming to whoever and saying, good news, good news, the war is over. It is finished. It's completely done. Christ has conquered all. He has conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave and gives us forgiveness of sins through him as a gift for us to keep. It's ours. It's an announcement of something good that has happened. Man's greatest problem, our greatest problem is sin. Sin that we're responsible for. There's no, oh, I I couldn't help it, I, I... We sin because we're sinners. It's what we are. Since Adam and Eve reached out to be like God, to know like God, to sin against God's command, that sin has been transferred through all of us, through one man. Through Adam, we all have been condemned condemned by the law because we are sinners. Through one man. Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven of all of our sins. He took the just punishment and wrath for sin in himself on the cross. So the sentence for sin has already been carried out in the very body of Jesus Christ. An actual man who was actual God, died on an actual cross, who had an actual body, whose blood actually flowed from it for me and for you. It is history. It is true. It is something that has happened. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. And he has promised that if he was raised, you too will be raised. completely different than every other faith in this world. Every other religion says, you want God? Here's what you must do to get God. Christianity is different in this. It tells us what God has done to get us. The pressure's off. You mean I can't do anything more to make God love me? God's love for me is endless. How endless? He died for me. What more could I possibly give that trumps the blood of God? What more? What more? It is so free and it is so complete that there's nothing I could do to add to it. Thank God. Because as soon as you hear someone say, yeah, yeah, Jesus died for you, but, 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 that's not the gospel. It's not. I'm sorry. I know that, that gets on a lot of our nerves because what do you mean there's not but, but, buts? What do you mean there's nothing I can do? What do you mean there's nothing I can contribute to it? There's nothing. There's nothing. It's a gift. How silly it would be on Christmas morning that's coming up soon. If I go and there's a gift under my tree when I've been a very bad boy and do not deserve anything that's under that tree. But there's something there with my name on it anyways. Why? Because someone loves me, regardless of how much I love them. Their love for me is independent of me. It is totally riding on them. And that is the same thing in the gospel. And that is the same thing in what Jesus has done. He has gifted us with his very self, the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins, because he loves you. Not because you could earn it. Whoever gives out that vibe that, yeah, you've got to now earn grace. Or you've got to earn this. You've got to earn God's love. They're not talking about grace. They're not talking about gift, they're talking about wage. Jesus saved you all by himself. He didn't need your help. He didn't need you. He didn't need me. I'm the one that got myself in this mess in the first place. I didn't not cooperating with him. I was dead in the water. Dead men don't do anything. They just lay there. They're dead. Lazarus was dead in his tomb, dead. Jesus said, "Lazarus, come out." And Lazarus came out. Because there's power in the word of Jesus. When God says something, especially when he's creating something, things just do what he says to do. Have faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's God's word. That's the gospel. And the Bible says the gospel is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. How do I know? How, how do I believe? How do I? How, I mean, there's days when I don't feel safe. There's days that I don't know if I believe. Do I believe? I believe in Jesus Christ because God did something. It's it's a miracle. You want to see a miracle? The greatest miracle of all is when a sinner believes that Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of their sins. That is the greatest miracle. Because the Bible says we cannot do it without God's help. And that's freeing too. That's freeing too. To know that when I have faith, it's because God has given me the faith that I need. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Jesus, it is finished on the cross is his to done list for you. Believe this and you will be saved. The creed I kept referencing is this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, one holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If you are like how I was and are unsure about how you feel about things like creeds and stuff like that, the following may help. I may use this as part of some series going forward. In the creed, there are roughly 72 different passages of Scripture that can be supported by it. 72. Here's more good news. Even when I forget this, God sends me people who tell it to me in my ears. That's why I love coming to church. That's why I love being around like-minded individuals. Because see, it's easy for me to believe that Jesus died and forgives you. There are days when it's very hard to believe that Jesus died and forgave me. Because I, I know what I've done. I, I, I know my sin. I know in those moments when I denied him three times, just three times, however many times with my life, with my actions, with my deeds. And Jesus the same, treats me the same way he has and always has. When he just shows up into my life, not once has he said, that's right, on your face, beg for mercy. Every time he comes back to my life, he says, Zach, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. See my hands. Touch my side. It's for you. Not only was it for you yesterday, it's for you today. When you need to be forgiven today, and it's for you tomorrow tomorrow. Even if your worst moral failure is in the future, that's all we've been put into my body as well. You're free, Zach. The same promises that Jesus has made to me, he has made to every single person in this room. Will the team come forward, please?